The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Too often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Melhothra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Melhothra. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host for Generation Regeneration. Thank you for joining me. Today, our guest is Doctor of Naturopathy, Jason Barker. Hello, Dr. Barker, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I'd also like to welcome our listeners to Generation Regeneration. Our goal with the show is to provide information and support for those who want to regenerate their bodies, minds, spirits, and relationships to others and to the planet. You may have noticed that we've spent the past couple of episodes, in addition to this one, focusing on regenerating the body. The reason for this is that physical and emotional health are the necessary building blocks for spiritual growth and awareness. Bhava Ram, a well-known yoga instructor in San Diego and author, explained this point quite eloquently in his book, Deep Yoga, which was published in 2013. He says, we are consciousness tiny drops of consciousness in the vast cosmic ocean of pure consciousness that is eternal and permeates all life. At this level of self-realization, with a vibrant body, mind, and connection to our soul, we find what most of us are looking for, contentment, balance, deep well-being, and inner peace. Since our goal on generation regeneration is to support listeners on their journey to balance and contentment, we will focus on the important steps of building and maintaining physical and emotional health using holistic methods, as these are the foundations for spiritual growth. Naturopathic, in particular, is a powerful holistic health tool and can be defined as a distinct primary health care profession, emphasizing prevention, treatment, and optical health, optimal health through the use of therapeutic methods and substances that encourage individuals' inherent self-healing processes. The practice of naturopathic medicine includes modern and traditional scientific and empirical methods, and we will get into a lot of detail about all those today. So Dr. Part Barker, to start, can you explain the difference between your education and that of a conventional MD? Sure. We have uh, a similar education as a medical doctor, although, you know, it's very similar, but also uh, very different. So the first two years um, are pretty much the same where we're learning basic sciences, uh, biochemistry, physiology, pathology, um, things like that. And then the latter two years are where we also, you know, similar to MDs, we'll do uh, a lot of uh, focus on patient care and clinical therapeutics, but that's where the phys- uh, phil- philosophical differences happen. And that's where we really learn to look at a patient holistically and learn 
you know, in addition to, you know, pharmaceuticals and some minor surgeries, we also learn about um, natural medicines like botanical medicine, um, clinical nutrition, acupuncture, homeopathy, physical medicine, things like that. So it is a four-year postgraduate medical school. Um, we do learn, you know, all the basics of um, laboratory diagnosis, you know, looking at x-rays, uh, running blood work, all of those kind of standard labs that uh, conventional doctors use. But then we also learn additional diagnostic methods in, uh, in addition to that. Okay. So your education is actually quite extensive, and you, and you learn quite a bit about physiology and various types of natural treatments. As a result of this, can you explain how you approach health care for your patients that may be different from a conventional MD? Sure. So... Every, every new patient we see, uh, we spend an hour with them because we want to get a really uh, deep, detailed look at what's, what's causing their problems. So, That's a big difference right there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, standard visits with a conventional doctor sometimes are only 10 or 15 minutes long, and that's just enough time to kind of get an idea of, you know, the symptoms the patient's having and uh, enough time to get a prescription written for them. So, you know, we don't... We do want to, of course, alleviate people's pain and suffering, but we're going to spend a lot longer time, um, you know, finding out what the cause of their problem is, and that's the big philosophical difference that we have is we, we want to know the cause. So if a person comes in and they've had, you know, six or seven colds this winter, um, you know, they're clearly not suffering from an antibiotic deficiency, okay? So they need to... We need to figure out what's going on with their body. Why is their immune system not working? Why is it, um, you know, why is their body a good host for getting these infections over and over again? So I'm going to talk to people about, of course, what's going on. You know, what's the illness like? Do they have a fever? Do they have a cough? Do they have wheezing? You know, just kind of the basics of the illness. And then I want to know if that person's sleeping. Are they stressed out? Do they drink too much? Do they eat too much sugar? Do they ever exercise? You know, so we want to know about every conceivable factor that is contributing to their health issues. Yeah, you made an interesting comment there about not having a deficiency of an antibiotic. So basically the way you look at things, the body is a very complex mechanism and you want to figure out what's causing it to be out of balance and not necessarily to just add to or cover a symptom with a medication. Yeah, definitely, because it's you know, like I said, we, you know, I could, you know, that's the running joke I always use. Oh, you don't have an antibiotic deficiency, or if you've got headaches, it's not because you have an aspirin deficiency. Although that's how these conditions often wind up being treated. So, you know, one thing we talk about is the terrain. So we want to know what the person's terrain is of their body. So maybe, um, you know, and every patient's going to be treated differently. So one person who has, you know, all those colds is going to have a whole different um, set of health circumstances than maybe the next person who has a bunch of colds, and that's the terrain of their body. You know, so it's not really that the cold is the problem, you know, them catching a virus, but it's like, well, why is their body a favorable place for those little bugs to, you know, take root and set up an infection, right? So it's, it's normal to get a headache every now and then. It's normal to get a, catch a cold or two every winter, but if these conditions are chronic and they happen over and over and over and over again, you know, you have to take a step back and look at, well, well, what's going on with your body? What, what's going on with the terrain? And so that's why we'll spend a long time 
talking about all these other things that are, you know, maybe the patient may seem that these are unrelated. Why is this guy asking me about my sleep when I've got my fifth cold this winter or I've got another sinus infection? What does that have to do with it? But all of that line of questioning all leads up to helping me figure out where this person's, um, you know, health shortcomings are, so to speak, so that I can make changes in their body, help their physiology so that they can get well and don't experience the same thing over and over again in the future. Yes. So it sounds like you ask a lot of questions. I know that having visited naturopaths like you, there's usually a pretty extensive intake form as well that you fill out to provide you a lot of information. So in addition to the form and the questions that you ask, what other types of tests might you run to understand the terrain of somebody's body? Okay. So depend, and again, it kind of depends on what's going on with that person, what their, what their, um, you know, their main health issues are. So we can, we can do, you know, the kind of the first basic test that I guess isn't really a, a test in the conventional sense is a physical exam. So part of that's just, you know, watching how somebody um, walks back to your room. It's how they sit in the chair. Are they moving around? How do they look? Does this person look healthy or do they look sick? And what does their skin look like? And what does their hair look like? And what are their, you know, their finger, fingernails look like? And do they have swelling in their shin? So there's the whole... Um, you know, patients' appearance and how they hold themselves. And then also there's, you know, like standard general physical exams that will, you know, look at somebody's abdomen or will listen to their heart or listen to their lungs for all those other things. So that's kind of where we start out. And then in the more, you know, conventional sense of testing, we can do standard blood work. So, you know, I may get a, a young woman in who you know, as a vegetarian, let's say, and she doesn't feel good. So we're going to do a, you know, standard blood work to see how is her iron? Is she anemic? So we can do very basic blood work like that. And then there is a whole set of other tests that we can get out of blood that look, that I will use a lot, that look at a person's nutritional state. So do they get enough vitamin D? Are they dealing with, um, you know, vitamin B12 in their system? Are they metabolizing it? So there's a whole other layer of nutritional tests that we can do in blood. And then <clears throat> another, another um, large testing area I'll look at are hormones. And because I see a lot of people with hormone imbalance, that's actually a very common condition. And we'll do, we'll do blood for hormones, and we can also do saliva tests for hormones. And then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and then other, another test that we do a lot of here in our practice is we look at food sensitivities. So this is a uh, blood test where we'll measure a certain type of protein that the body makes when it disagrees with a food. So um, this is different from the standard skin prick test that they'll do in an allergist office where they'll inject a little bit of a, a food substance into the person's skin and look for a hive. As a, for, that's a test for immediate allergies. This blood test will look at what are more properly termed sensitivities. So that's when somebody eats a food and their immune system reacts to it, and it causes symptoms in their bodies. But oftentimes you don't see these symptoms uh, until maybe a day or two later. So that's a very common test I'll use for a variety of other conditions. But I'll kind of I'll cut it at that because we use lots and lots and lots of tests. Okay. All right. But it sounds like what you like to do is just gather a comprehensive data set by talking, spending a lot of time talking to the patient, uh, an extensive intake form, and then if needed, a pretty comprehensive blood or other testing to try to figure out the root causes of what's going on with the individual. Yeah, absolutely. Some, you know, sometimes people come in and it's, 
and it's very straightforward what's going on with them. You know, all of your clinical experience and the time you spent with people and figuring things out, it, sometimes things are very cut and dry. And then other times people present uh, in ways that you've never quite seen. And so that's why we'll always, um, you know, we talk about in medicine is <clears throat> the history and the physical gives us a lot of information but then we do testing to kind of cross-check your idea about what's going on with that person. So that's when we lead into, well, let's look at a test for this, or maybe we should measure this thing so that we can confirm or either reject a possible diagnosis. Okay. Yeah, the comprehensiveness is, is very impressive. All right. And on that note, we're going to get ready for a short break. We are talking about real health care with naturopath Dr. Jason Barker. This is Sandra Malhocher with Generation Regeneration, and we'll be right back after this short break. Thanks for joining us and stay tuned to learn more. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in January 2015 called HoldTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Melhothra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Melhothra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back to Generation Regeneration. I am your host, Sandra Malhotra, and today we are joined by Doctor of Naturopathy, Jason Barker, and he is educating us about the naturopathic approach and how naturopaths will spend quite a bit of time with their patients, really trying to get to know them, their lifestyle, the source of their issues, and maybe even doing some comprehensive testing to get to the root cause of their ailments. 
So we spent quite a bit of time discussing that before the break. And now I'd like to get into discussing a particular ailment that is becoming very prevalent, not only in adults, but it's moving into younger children as well, and that's diabetes. Uh, It's very concerning, the rate at which people are becoming diabetic in the United States. So I'd really like to understand, Dr. Barker, from the naturopathic perspective, what the root causes of diabetes are and how you would treat someone with diabetes. Sure. So the, you know, as far as um, naturopathic versus allopathic medicine, I mean, I think we both agree on the actual cause of diabetes and, and, and more importantly, the, the, rather than, you know, there's a step before a person becomes diabetic and that's called insulin resistance or uh, metabolic syndrome. Yeah, and what causes that? So that is basically caused by an overabundance of sugar in our diets. So if you think of all the food that we eat, whether it's a, you know, a protein, proteins come from, you know, you can think of animal products, so meat or, you know, beans and rice make a protein or nuts, things like that. But, you know, the most prominent sources are proteins. So whenever you eat a protein, it eventually becomes sugar in your bloodstream quite a bit longer than, say, a piece of bread. But if you eat a vegetable or a fruit, those are carbohydrates. Those will become sugar. And then fat, of course, is, usually comes with protein. Um, that doesn't necessarily become sugar in our bloodstream. But all of those three main foodstuffs, whether it's protein, fat, or carbohydrate, <clears throat> we do want to make blood sugar out of those eventually. So, um, But when you eat a protein and fat, those are very slowly digested, and they, there's a long metabolic chain they have to go through before they can kind of contribute to our energy. Um, whereas fruits and vegetables and then plants, those are metabolizing the sugar a, a lot more rapidly than those other foods are. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry, I'm getting over a cold today. But uh, so when you eat, say, a plant, which has been processed into, you know, grains, grains have been processed into something like a bread or a bagel or a cookie or a cracker. When you eat those things, they're rapidly digested and then they, they essentially raise our blood sugar very quickly. And our bodies, all of this happens because our main energy source is sugar. Okay, so that's why we talk about having a good blood sugar. When your blood sugar is low, you feel, you feel dizzy and you feel tired. We don't always necessarily feel a, a high blood sugar. But anyway, when we, when we eat too many of these foods, we release uh, a hormone called insulin to escort that sugar into our cells. So whenever you have that food, it gets digested, it goes into the bloodstream, it, it's sugar. And then your body knows this and it releases that hormone and it stores it. So, but because of the way our diets are, we have an overabundance of carbohydrate, an overabundance of sugar, our bodies are continually pumping out insulin to deal with this, to deal with the sugar. And, and that's normally, the pancreas that releases insulin, is that correct? Right, it comes out of the pancreas and, and escorts it into the cell. And then your body can't deal with that sugar until it actually gets inside of the cell. So once it gets inside of the cell, it gets burned for energy and metabolism. But when we've got too, too much of that going on, those cells start to stop listening to the insulin, and then that, that sugar has to go elsewhere, and it gets... It causes a lot of other problems beyond that. It's almost like the receptors get worn out or fatigued by just being bombarded yeah, with too much insulin. And, and that's why it's called insulin resistance, because after a while, it's kind of like knocking on somebody's door. 
if I were to come up to your door and knock every five minutes, you'd answer it a few a few times, and after a while, you'd probably ignore me, or obviously, you'd probably call the police on me after a while. But those cells, <laughs> they they just stop listening. They don't listen to the insulin receptor anymore. And I think that the interesting thing you pointed out was, it's not just table sugar that we refer to as sugar. It's a lot of these refined carbohydrates that are even considered, quote, heart healthy. Um, on last week's episode called Nutrition Hypothemis, we actually talked about this. We talked about the diet heart hypothemis uh, and about the dangers of this low-fat, high-carb diet that has been officially recommended for heart health for several decades now. And it seems like folks may not realize that by eating all of these high refined carbs, that's the sugar. That's where the sugar comes from. And that's what our bodies aren't optimally equipped to handle. So if you're having like cereal and oatmeal for breakfast and sandwich for lunch and then pasta for dinner with soft drinks in between, that's just carbon sugar overload on your pancreas. And that's what you're talking about in terms of the insulin resistance. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, all of those foods that we've been taught are healthy, like, um, you know, carbo loading and eating pasta and, and breads and all these, uh, you know, you still see these foods around every day. You have to go buy a box of crackers, it'll say fat free, and there's right. fat free labels on everything. And so people have been, <clears throat> you know, they've been taught that these are healthy foods and they're not. I mean, this is why metabolic resistance or, or meta metabolic sin syndrome rather and insulin resistance and diabetes are so widespread now is because we've been told these foods are healthy and now everything is made out of this stuff and people are just eating far too much of it. That's right. Yeah, if there's one thing that we want to emphasize on the show, it's that heart healthy does not mean low fat or no fat. Heart healthy may mean coconut oil and olive oil and avocados. Uh, we really want to encourage people to make that connection in their minds instead of the big no fat, low fat being healthy. Because what we talked about last week was in many foods that are made low fat or no fat, the fat is replaced with sugar. It has to be replaced with something. So if you just look at whole fat yogurt versus no fat or low fat yogurt, the no fat or low fat will have a whole lot more sugar in it. So yep. this, 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 is yep. the, this is the sugar issue that we're talking about. It comes a lot from the refined carbs and the supposed heart-healthy foods that we've been told about for the past several decades that, that really aren't very healthy at all. Yeah, that, that's an important distinction, too. When, I'm, when I say sugar, I don't mean you know, going and eating the Snickers in a Coke, although that's a big part of the problem is the way people, you know, people eat those things. But any of those processed grains, they are nearly instantly metabolized into sugar that winds up in your bloodstream. So not only, you know, of course, our country, there's tons of sweets, you know, every, every gas, you know, soda and candy bars and th those things like that. But even, even these foods are, that are disguised as health foods have a lot of sugar in them. Take yogurt, for example. That's a good, that's a great example because, you know, everybody thinks yogurt's healthy. It's got dairy in it. It's got the protein in it. But I would challenge, you know, all the listeners to go and look at their favorite yogurt and count the uh, sugar grams on the side. I mean, there are very, very few brands of sugar or <laughs> rather yogurt out there. See, it's, it's a Freudian slip. That's actually true. But um, <laughs> there's a lot of, 
there are very few yogurt brands out there that have little sugar in them. So that's, right. that's a food that's that's got a lot of sugar in it as a disguise. And then even even cereal too. That's another thing where I'd say go look at your supposedly you know heart healthy box of cereal. Um, you know, of course, skip the you know things like sugar coated bombs and Lucky Charms and all that. Those are obvious. But go look at your fiber and your you know, all brand and all those other cereals and, and look at the ingredient list and you're going to find a lot of different um, names of sugar in there. And then when you just look at the sugar grams, it's full of it. That's right. Yeah. So the takeaway message from this is to read the labels for the foods that you are eating and look at the sugar content. You may be surprised. And a, a step even beyond that is to move away from the boxed and processed foods and just go with whole foods, vegetables, fruits, proteins, that kind of a thing. Uh, that's even a better way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, bringing it back to diabetes then, uh, the conventional treatment for that is insulin. Uh, can you talk about how you might help someone who walks into your office with diabetes? Would it be with a lot of insulin or do you have other approaches? No, we've got, and we've got other approaches. And so, and I just want to clarify too, there, there are two types of diabetes. There's type one uh, which usually shows up in kids, and that's an autoimmune condition, we think, and then these kids just don't make any insulin at all. So these people need to have insulin. Um, they need to have the insulin to absorb that sugar. So, but then what we want to kind of focus on is this type 2 diabetes, which is a lifestyle disease, and that's the one that shows up more often in adults. And but that it's one moving down the, into children. Yeah, and, we're, and yeah. we are. You're right. We are seeing that in children these days. I mean, it, this was a condition that used to take a you know, lifetime to develop it, but now we're seeing it in 10 and, you know, 11-year-old kids um, who are eating too much of the, too much of these sugary foods. So, um, you know, type 2 diabetes is, again, when the cells stop listening to insulin, so they're not listening to it anymore. So the treat, the, you know, the standard medical treatment is, uh, well, we'll give you more insulin. So like I talked about knocking on your door earlier, you're not going to answer now because you're, you're, you're resistant to me. Um, I'm just going to start banging on your door even louder, and maybe I'll get a hammer. And that's what giving insulin is like. It's just getting, giving you more and more and more of it. And then oftentimes along with insulin, they'll get prescribed uh, another class of medication. And these medications, you know, the most popular one is called metformin. And that one doesn't work on the pancreas, but it works on those insulin receptors. And it, tells, it increases their awareness, so to speak, of insulin, so it helps absorb even more of the sugar into the cell and it also works, you know, on the liver and other parts of the body, too. So it's kind of a one-two approach. But that's the standard medical treatment. Um, what I want to do with somebody is, you know, we want to take a real good look at their diet. Um, it's, and, it, and it's very complex because people have been eating a long way like this. It takes a while to get this condition. So we really want to go through their diet. We have to really um, work with them to kind of dismantle some of those preconceived notions they've got, such as, you know, oh, I eat whole grain bread and I eat pasta and I eat all these heart-healthy foods, but they're diabetic. So we really have to um, dig through that diet and get it really cleaned up. And we, of course, want to take out as many processed foods as we can. And like you mentioned, having them eating, you know, good lean proteins, uh, beans, um, grains like, you know, whole grains like uh, brown rice or wild rice or quinoa, things like that lots of oils, healthy fats, you know, just what we call whole foods, real foods. Um, so we want to look at their diet. We want to get these people, and I'll often work with a nutritionist to help people because it can take a lot to educate people to get them 
to understand what a healthy diet is. And then um, we want to get them exercising. Exercise is a great therapy for these people because what happens is the cells of the body will start to absorb that excess sugar and they don't need insulin to do it. So that's kind of a cool little trick our body does. So if we can get these people exercising, even if it's just going for a walk or doing anything, they will, those cells will become less sensitive to insulin. Um, and then other things, there are some botanical medicines we can use, and there's a, there's a nutrient called chromium. There are various uh, natural medicines like that that will naturally help in, increase the cell's um, tolerance for insulin. So we can work on a number of levels with people. And it's a lot of work, too. It's not just... Um, you know, come in for one visit, here's your plan, see you later, hope you get better. Um, this is, these are major lifestyle changes. And That's right. No quick fix. Yeah, no quick fix, but they're lifestyle changes. And the great thing about this is that you can get people better without drugs and you can, you can make these people, you can cure them. If they work really hard on all those things, they can become, uh, you know, their blood sugar metabolism can become normal again. That's awesome. Okay, great discussion there about more holistic treatments for diabetes. And we are going to get ready for a short break. We are talking about real health care with naturopath Dr. Jason Barker. This is Sandra Melhotra with Generation Regeneration, and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. A new health and wellness community is coming in January 2015 called wholetreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Melhothra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at wcubedcommunity.com. 
or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back to Generation Regeneration. This is your host, Sandra Malhotra, and we have Doctor of Naturopathy Jason Barker with us today. And before the break, we were talking about the approaches he would use with a diabetic patient that comes in. And right before the break, he made a very important point that I would like to emphasize, which is that a diagnosis of being diabetic does not mean a life sentence of insulin. So maybe if you can just expand on that for a moment, Dr. Barker, that you, with a lot of the work that you went over before the break with regards to lifestyle, exercise, diet, maybe some supplements, it is possible. It's not impossible. Yeah, it absolutely is. And again, I want to clarify that we're talking about type 2 diabetics or or people with insulin resistant because a type 1 diabetic does need to stay on their insulin. But uh, type 2 is a a different critter, that's for sure. And then, but absolutely, if, if we can get somebody doing all the things that we need them to do in the clinic with their lifestyle changes, you know, their exercise, their diet, they can come off of those medications. And, of course, this is something that happens, uh, you know, this disease takes a long time to acquire. And while it doesn't take, um, you know, a lifetime to get rid of, but we can reverse that disease. And as people start to, as their numbers start to improve, we can start to peel back their prescription medications. And, of course, we always want to do this very cautiously and, and make sure we're being safe and things like that. But, um, you know, without a doubt, I've had a lot of patients come in who who are type 2 and on insulin and on metformin, and we've really worked with them and they've worked hard, and then we can peel those medications off and then they can live a drug-free lifestyle after that. So it's, it's a great thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's always, you know, people should always have hope that they can get better when they've got a condition like this. That's right. That's that's a very empowering message. And with the guidance of a professional like yourself, it is possible. So during that discussion, one word that came up was supplements. And that is one thing for which there's quite a bit of conflicting information out there in the mainstream media, which unfortunately tends to be focused more on flashy headlines, um, sensationalizing perhaps the result of the latest study as opposed to really providing a deep understanding of whether these are helpful or not. So can you spend a few moments talking about whether we should be taking supplements or not and what types of conditions they can prevent? Sure, we, and we can talk all day about this. <laughs> it's a big subject. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, of course, with my, with my background, um, people should take supplements. And I guess it kind of back up that, you know, when we say supplement, it, can, it means a lot of different things. And to me, it means primarily a natural medicine. So uh, when I think of a natural medicine, I think of something like an herb or, um, you know, an amino acid or something that we call a nutraceutical that doesn't fit into other categories. So, so without a doubt, natural medicines are they're safe, they are effective, and they can help people regain their health. And then there are, you know, there are things that I would more broadly term as supplements like vitamin C or a vitamin D or something um, that is more simple in that regard. Okay. Can you elaborate a bit on what you would consider a medicinal supplement? Just go into a little more detail there. Sure. So a medicinal supplement would be, you know, something, let's, let's take, for example, uh, red yeast rice. That's a 
that is a, a type of yeast that we get from a specific type of, it grows on a specific type of rice, and this is something that we can use to lower cholesterol levels. So this is definitely a natural medicine or a supplement that we can use to affect physiologic change in a, in a body, in a person's body, in their health. Um, so a lot of botanical medicines or herbal medicines have those, have, you know, similar physiological effects where we can help with asthma or we can help with migraines or we can help, you know, decrease um, cholesterol levels using, even using there are certain herbs that do that. So those, there, there are a number of medicinal uh, supplements like that. Okay. And is the best place to get those at a doctor's office like yours? What about the quality of things that are in, say, the grocery store or even uh, a higher-end store like Whole Foods? Yeah, so there, there are definitely different tiers in the, in the quality and the consistency of natural medicines that are available. So, for instance, you know, in my office I buy um, natural medicines that come from suppliers who only will provide to doctor's offices just because of the, the potency and the purity are a lot higher than what you'd find out in a store. And then, but that's not to say that if you went to uh, a grocery store like a Whole Foods or a Sunflower Market or we've got, you know, Vitamin Cottage here in Colorado, they can also carry really good quality um, supplements as well. And then it's kind of when you get down into the big box stores uh, or the kind of the everyday grocery stores where you're going to see a definite dip in the quality in the supplements that are available. Typically, these are things that are, you know, they're made with a lot of soy. Um, we worry about soy being in supplements because most of it these days is genetically, genetically modified. modified. Um, yeah. A lot of them come in tablet form. So if you look at these ingredients, you'll see, um, you know, the, there's uh, shellac. You know, it's the stuff that makes your sh- furniture shiny. They put that on the on the tablet so it enhances the appearance and holds it together during, My uh, goodness. you know, travel. And there's food coloring in it. I mean, we know that it doesn't matter if you take a red pill or a blue pill or anything like that. That doesn't affect your health. But they're still going to put food coloring in here and things to keep it from falling apart and things to preserve it. So there's a lot of unnecessary junk that gets put into these um, supplements that, you know, we know your body doesn't need, and then if they're affecting your health, that's another question too. So, you know, I have something I tell all of my patients is that if, if they're going to invest in supplements or natural medicines, it's, it's the same thing throughout our economy, right? Uh, you get what you pay for. So if you're going to go and buy some cheap <clears throat> supplements from a big box store, well, you're not going to get as good an effect from those as if you spent a little bit more money and bought maybe something that was a little bit more pure and had better potency in it. Yeah. One thing that I've seen quite a bit in stores like Whole Foods are these, well, they're Whole Foods supplements. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about the difference between those and more traditional vitamins? Sure. So a Whole Foods supplement is going to be a supplement that is made out of foods and it will it will carry, so one of these that you see a lot of is a, is a multivitamin. So what they will do is they will um, purify and extract a number of different foods and put it into this, into this capsule, and then they know, obviously they've analyzed it, so it has a certain amount of vitamin A and a vitamin C and all the different vitamins and minerals in it. So you're getting, when we say a whole food supplement like that, you're getting your nutrients out of a food, and that's, of course, always 
that's the ideal way to get our nutrients. Um, you know, we want to have a good diet, right? You want to have a good, wholesome diet because that's where we can get our best nutrients from. But the reality is, is that most people just don't eat a perfect diet, whether it's by choice or whether maybe they have to travel or obviously there's a number of reasons why somebody can't eat, you know, really well-balanced diet every day. So that's where these supplements come in. But yeah, definitely going for a whole food type supplement is going to be better than something that has a bunch of chemically synthesized nutrients in there because while some of these nutrients your body doesn't necessarily get too um, picky over, there are other nutrients where it will use them more effectively if they're in their natural state. So you always that is a good point to, you know, look for something that has a whole food base to it rather than just a synthetic uh, amalgam of vitamins in it. Right. Yeah, because the separate vitamins, from what I understand from the reading that I've done, the absorption of nutrients by the body is a very complex process. And so just assuming that because you take, you know, a certain amount of a certain vitamin, that it will all be absorbed, uh, that's not a proper assumption. Uh, the way absorption works from whole foods, there's a lot going on. Probably things that we don't even understand are going on with the absorption of various vitamins and minerals. So it's quite a complicated process and perhaps a an oversimplification on our part to think that, oh, we can just take a bit of this vitamin here and this vitamin here and this vitamin here and it'll just all naturally be absorbed. It may not be. Is that true? Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And there's, you know, the the type of supplement is a limiter and then a person's, uh, their own physiology can limit how they absorb things. For instance, if, um, you know, you take a lot of, uh, let's say you drink tea and, um, or you drink wine and you take a, a vitamin C pill with that, well, there are, there are chemicals in that tea and that wine that will actually absorb and hold on to that vitamin C or it will hold, hold on to that iron. So there's things that just go on. There's enough stuff going on with our own digestion that can limit your absorption of a vitamin. So, And then even you know a person's digestion, they may, it may not be that perfect so where they can't absorb the nutrients they need to. So there's, yeah, you're right, there's a lot to contend with with that. So again, we want to get people eating as much real food, you know, meaning lots of fruits and veggies and, you know, non-processed foods as we can get them because that's where you're going to have the best bet. That's what mother nature designed, right? That's what she had had in mind was us to get our nutrients out of these foods. But, um, yeah, there's a lot to think about when it comes to absorbing those. And you definitely, again, you're going to get what you pay for. So finding a good, supplement that's got a lot of different nutrients in it that comes from fresh, you know, whole food sources, you're going to have a lot better luck getting those into your body because, you know, our bodies are only, they're really only 30% efficient. So that's why, you know, as I tell people who kind of balk at taking supplements, it's like, well, you know, it all just comes out in my urine because my urine turns bright yellow after I take it. I say, yeah, that's true. So, you know, you should quit eating and quit drinking, too, because that's why we urinate and defecate, because you can't absorb 100% of everything. And, of course, I'm being sarcastic, but um, we need to keep that in mind that, no, you can't absorb 100% of everything, but you need to give your body, you need to set it up to have the best chance for success at absorbing those things. Good points. <clears throat> Excellent points. Okay. And on that note, we are going to get ready for another short break. We are talking about real health care with naturopath Dr. Jason Barker. This is Sandra Malhotra with Generation Regeneration, and we'll be right back. Your life. 
your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in January 2015 called HoldTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. For 27 years, KidStar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. KidStar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. KidStar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworms. I want to thank you for being a backer of our Kickstarter. Kidstar, we empower kids. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Melhothra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Melhothra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Melhothra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now, back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back to Generation Regeneration. This is your host, Sandra Melhotra. And today we have Doctor of Naturopathy, Jason Barker, talking to us about many interesting topics. Uh, We started off just defining what his field is and then getting into diabetes and supplements. And we can go ahead and wrap up the discussion with supplements by discussing just general recommendations for a supplement plan. Um, So I'd like to ask you, Dr. Barker, for someone who is an omnivore, eats meat, generally healthy, gets some exercise and tries to eat whole foods, what types of general supplement plan would you recommend? Sure. So I think I think a multivitamin is always a good idea. It's just good, inexpensive health insurance. Um, I don't, you know, if you have a diet like you just described, that's that's really good. I don't think you need to take a multivitamin every single day, maybe a couple couple of days of the week, just to fill in any little gaps you might come across. Um, second thing is vitamin D. Obviously, that's been in the news a lot in the last several years. Um, there's some really compelling studies about how important it is for our short-term and long-term immunity. And, of course, the best source is the sunshine. So, you know, we're in Colorado. We're not really going to make any vitamin D throughout the winter in our skin, as is most of the country. So uh, a vitamin D supplement is important through the winter months for sure. 
And then the last one is a good omega-3 supplement. So these are, these are the essential fatty acids, they're called. And omega-3s have a number of really great health benefits throughout our body from preventing dementia and preventing heart disease and keeping our joints healthy and keeping inflammation down. So that's a really important one, too. So I, I would recommend those as the, as the top three by far and away. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. And how about for the special case of vegetarians, folks that don't eat meat? Because there's a fair amount of vitamins that you get from meat. So what should be replaced there? So with vegetarians, we're always a little bit more concerned about iron and folic acid, those, those, and, yeah, and B12 as well. So those three nutrients are, are, aren't found exclusively in meat, but they are, you can get them in plant sources, but they're a little bit harder to come by. So when I do have a patient like, you know, who is a vegetarian, we do want to make sure that they're getting folic acid and, and B12, and then you can get that in a good B complex. And then, of course, some iron. Not every vegetarian needs iron. Um, some people are better at absorbing it from plant sources than others, but that's why we, we would maybe look at one of those blood tests and see if this person is somebody who needs help supplementing with an iron as well. Okay. All right. Okay, good stuff. Hopefully our listeners are finding this helpful. I know I am. I'm, I'm learning some things here. <laughs> All right. Okay. So now we have about five minutes left in the show, and I'd like to wrap up by touching on the topic of vaccines. Many parents are concerned about vaccinating their children, and rightly so, because there are inherent risks. Although the government's stance is that vaccines are completely safe for all, this really isn't entirely true because serious vaccine injuries do occur. So parents should ideally be aware and educated so that they can make informed decisions for their children. And one concerning thing is that there has not been a study of the entire vaccine schedule, which has grown dramatically over the years. For example, in the 1970s and 80s, when I was growing up, I'm a Generation Xer, there were 23 doses of seven vaccines. And today, there are 69 doses of 16 vaccines, 49 of which are given before the age of six, when the immune system is still developing. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, our show actually on December 23rd will focus on this topic of vaccines exclusively because we will have a parent on as a guest whose child was injured by a vaccine. So we want to take a closer look, objective look at this. But today we're talking to a naturopath. And so I'd really like your take on the whole vaccine situation. How do you think parents should proceed? Well, First of all, it, it's a very, it's an individualized decision to vaccinate, and it's, like you said, it's very complex. <clears throat> so I think the best bet is for a parent to get really educated about about each and every vaccine and, and decide for themselves what is best. Now, personally, I, I did vaccinate my kids partially. I didn't do the full complement, but I did do the vaccines that I felt like posed the greatest risk to their health. So... That is going to differ from parent to parent, and um, without a doubt, there are some vaccines that are that are considered more dangerous than others. And, and some of the vaccines, honestly, there is very little risk with them. So, again, it goes back to making an informed decision and deciding what's best for a, a person and their family in that regard. What are the riskier ones? <clears throat> um, the biggest, you know, the biggest one that stirs up the most controversy is the is the MMR, so the measles, mumps, and rubella. And that's the vaccine that's been 
um, associated with some of the cases of autism that have been reported. So, so that's the one that we worry about the most. And then um, the new one to prevent against um, herpes that they're giving to uh, young girls now and even Cordicil. young boys. Yeah, that one has, um, has come under a lot of fire, too, because that one is actually causing a lot of problems as well. And that's one, you know, parents don't need to worry about until later on. Um, but it is one that needs to be, you know, should we should pay a lot more attention to that one, too. Right. If you've watched the movie Bought, which I recently watched, they bring out a lot of really good points about vaccines. I would encourage parents to check out that movie. Um, it's called Bought, once again, and it's available online. They spend a quite a bit of time talking about Gardasil. And even the advertisements for Gardasil are a little bit misleading because they talk about it as a vaccine against cervical cancer. <laughs> but actually, the clinical testing never really went that far. So one needs to be very careful about yep, yep. the types of advertising that are done for these. Uh, do a bit of digging. Um, find out if what the marketing hype says is real or not, and whether you think this is very important for your child or not. So when one thing that came out in the movie bought, uh, parents who did have children who were injured by vaccines, what they said pretty much verbatim was, I wish we had just been paying more attention and had educated ourselves. What we did is we just trusted that the system is fine and just follow the status quo. And of course, you know, they'll be spending the rest of their lives regretting that they didn't stop, think, dig, and really make an informed decision about what to do with their children. Because, you know, like I said, um, the schedule has just increased so much. And one thing we're going to get into uh, during the show on the 23rd is that this is big business. <laughs> Vaccines are big business. So there is a profit motive here as well. So uh, best for everyone to be very well informed. And so, I just, yeah, yep, go ahead. Really quickly is that there are abbreviated vaccination schedules out there that are, that are available for parents who are maybe concerned about, the, you know, the rapid fire technique. And there, you know, there is some evidence that the schedule is just based on convenience at, at uh, well child visits too. So mm. I, I would just say you don't feel like you need to go in for every single uh, well, child visit to get every single vaccine done. Look at these, some of these abbreviated schedules. There's more than one way to do it if you do yes. choose to vaccinate. Excellent inputs. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. So I'd like to thank you very much, Dr. Barker, for sharing your knowledge and insights. This has been a very informative hour. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. And you can sign up for Dr. Barker's newsletter on his website. The address is fortcollins-naturalmedicine.com. If you do that, you can learn even more good stuff from him. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening today to Generation Regeneration and being part of the Gen R movement to regenerate our bodies, minds, and spirits. Join us again next week when our guest will be our favorite shaman and medicine woman, Renee Reed. So be sure to tune in. Until then, let's move the fun times over to Twitter at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.